The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, bringing you the best GPS mapping software directly to your smartphone or desktop. Onyx offers you the ability to see property boundaries, mark waypoints, track your location, and so much more. Visit onyxmaps.com or you can download it directly from your app store today. Save 20% off of your purchase by using the code NATION20 at checkout. That's capital N NATION followed by the number 20. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald. This is episode number 67. Today on the show, we're talking with Aaron Warbritton and Zach Farrenbaugh of The Hunting Public. We're going to discuss their trips to Mississippi and Alabama to hunt whitetails on public land. We're going to talk about their expectations, some of the things they experienced, and how they might tackle the South differently in the future. This is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back to the show. This is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, and uh, I'm very, very excited about this episode today. We're talking with Aaron Warbritton and Zach Farrenball, some guys that I know you have been keeping up with because they are a part of the group that is the Hunting Public on YouTube. And uh, man, these guys have absolutely been tearing it up everywhere they go. They seem to be successful and, uh, and man, I've just really enjoyed watching these guys the past several years since they've started. And, and the things that you can learn from their channel is just unbelievable. So um, we're going to talk about their trip. Zach took a trip to Alabama a couple, last season in uh, 2019, January of 2019. He was hunting Alabama. And Aaron hunted Mississippi this year, not too terribly long ago, in January of 2020. And uh, it, these were their first real deer deer hunting trips in the South, and I wanted to get their um, their feedback on what they experienced and some of the things that they uh, they were expecting going into it, maybe what their expectations were and how they executed when they were here, and then what they would do differently if they come back in the future. And uh, I think that that is going to happen. the The way that these guys talk about it, they they enjoyed their time here. They appreciate the challenge, and more importantly, they appreciate um, just just the, the the things that we deal with here in the South. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. They they they're very realistic about some of the things that um, are true about hunting in the South, and um, I think you're gonna you're gonna get something out of it, and I think you're gonna enjoy it. So um, stay tuned. This is going to be a really good episode. Before we get into it, I wanted to remind you guys. That, uh, that we do have a 15% discount code with Scree Gear. If you decide that you want to change your hunting apparel for this upcoming season, or maybe even during turkey season, uh, check them out, man. ScreeGear.com. They are uh, putting out some really good stuff. I've, I've been using it all season long. I know Drew used it all season long, and I really, really liked it what I got. I've been uh, I've been harping on about the hard scrabble set which is uh, pretty much a uh, I wear it all the time. I wear it pretty much if it's like 60 degrees and below, I probably got it on. Um, it's wet, it's waterproof, it's windproof. Um, 
it's just great stuff. So go and check out Scree Gear at ScreeGear.com. And again, you can use the discount code Southern Ground, all lowercase, all one word, and that'll save you 15%. Um, that's all I got for you guys today. Check us out on Instagram at Southern Ground Hunting, on Facebook at Southern Ground Hunting, and on YouTube on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. But I am not going to bore you with anything else. We're going to get into a very exciting, fun, good conversation with our buddies Aaron Warbritton and Zach Farrenball of The Hunting Public. All right, on the line with us today, I am very, very excited to have a couple of return guests and uh, and also some guests that you guys, I know most of the guys listening to this are very familiar with. We have got Aaron Warbritton and Zach Farrenball from The Hunting Public. Um, just a small YouTube channel. Real small. Um, we're trying to help them get off the ground, and so they asked us if they could come on the show yeah. and uh, give them some exposure. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, not really. These guys are awesome and uh, just doing absolutely incredible things. So uh, I'll ask you first, Aaron, how you doing, buddy? Good, Parker. Just uh, doing a lot of editing, man, trying to uh... – Edit the winter away, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not gonna be long then, until uh, we're chasing turkey turkeys. Season. Yep, turkey season yeah, is gonna man, be crazy. I can't wait. Um, can't our, wait. Cool, man. Well, uh, Zach, you're also here. What's going on, man? Ah, oh, not much. Kind of just doing the same thing down in what I call my little cave down here in the basement, just working on some videos from uh, Ohio. Nice, so, nice, yes. nice. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man, I, I don't think stuff. a lot of people realize that we're just total desk trolls for many months <laughs> out of the year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so actually, one of the questions, I put out kind of a little thing yesterday about, hey, do y'all have any questions for these guys? And one of them said, literally, he, was, he said, uh, um, ask them how they get away with only working four or five months out of the year. <laughs> So, that's a good joke. Yeah, yes. that's, a, yes. that's a good one. Yes. Um, I know y'all are not doing that. Y'all are uh, grinding and really working hard. But here's the thing. I want to talk about something that I have not personally got to hear you guys really talk on anytime recently. Obviously, on your own podcast, the Hunting Public Podcast, you cover it. But you're also covering a whole lot of uh, the places that you guys get to hunt. And so I really want to key in on um, a couple of hunts that really stuck out to me that are near and dear to my heart, near and dear to a lot of the people's hearts that are listening to this, and that is some of your whitetail hunts in the south. So, Zach, you got to hunt um, Alabama on public land in January of 2019. Is that right? Yep. So so that was that was your first time in the south, from, from what I understand. And then Aaron, not in the south, but hunting whitetails in the whitetails, south. Whitetails, yeah. Um, we actually got to talk to you guys the the first time y'all hunted turkeys, or the first time the hunting public group hunted turkeys in the South, and uh, that was a that was a cool cool thing. Got to talk to you, Zach, on your first uh, the the first turkey. I think I I think it was the first turkey kill of the the first turkey tour. Is that right? Yeah, I guess that would be. I guess that is right. The first turkey kill of THP. Hey, listen. <laughs> 
Well, good luck, man. Maybe maybe this is just a good omen for y'all's upcoming turkey That's tour. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know, there, there's something that 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 a lot of people talk about in the South, and um, and Aaron, you got to experience it this year in Mississippi. In uh, where y'all was it? No, was it December or January that you hunted Mississippi? That was in January, the beginning of the month. Okay. Okay. So, so both of those being late season hunts, and um, but still experience some rut activity in uh, in those areas that you were hunting, and so we really want to kind of break down those those trips. And a lot of guys that are listening to this, myself included, I know Drew, yeah, are uh, you know we respect you guys and respect what you do, and really um, take to heart some of the things that y'all talk about uh, that make you successful as deer hunters on public land. And so, um, I want to, I want to start since Zach, you were, you were the, the previous season. I want to kind of start with that trip to Alabama and, um, just, just kind of talk about your expectations. So going into a, to a trip, a, a place that you haven't ever been to for deer. Um, what were some of your expectations going into that? Uh, I would say, expectations always are pretty loose i mean don't really expect much just expecting to go in and try to learn as fast as possible and just continue to put a game plan together i mean obviously you anytime you go somewhere you have some sort of you know idea of what you want to check out what you want to learn but that evolves so um i guess going into it um the the you know, just to set the stage a little bit, I knew we were, you know, we had turkey hunted the area the year before. So we knew kind of what terrain we were dealing with. It's going to be hilly, um, pretty hilly terrain, a lot of pine, planted pines with, um, what are they called? SMZs down yeah. at, the, at the bottom, yeah. uh-huh. the stream, stream management zones. Um, really, I think the biggest thing that, we were going to try to learn was, you know, where are we going to find deer bedded? You know, that's kind of always the start and, um, just had a hand of ideas kind of pinned out on a map. And when we got there, it was just a matter of going in and breaking that down, trying to learn on the fly, just, okay, are deer in this type of, you know, habitat? Yes or no. And then move on to the next thing and just try to find the best stuff. And then, you know, again, continue to evolve until you find, something that you think is is worth focusing on now did you think that the um uh, we talked to you when you were here in alabama uh the previous year for turkey season and i remember y'all being very excited about the amount of deer sign that you were kind of uh coming up on i think you found a pretty good shed a lot of deer tracks and maybe even Mm -hmm. uh jumped up a big buck at some point during that trip did you find that any, any of that intel helped you out going into it uh, a little bit. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of how, I mean, I, I think that there are some of those areas that we checked out, you know, uh, we definitely made note of like what type of stuff we were seeing deer sign in. Um, but I'll be honest, there was a fair amount of stuff that I just kind of forgot about. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, when you're turkey hunting, you're focused on turkeys, right. you know, obviously you're picking up on a little bit of deer sign and stuff like that. And you're, you're taking, you're, taking note of things, but I remember where we found a big shed. Uh, there's an area that we went and checked out and made a big 
big scouting mission through. Um, and a lot of that though, is just kind of, again, picking specific areas that we're like trying to zone in on. So we're picking multiple different habitat types, testing the water, seeing, you know, where there actually are deer in season because, you know, when you're hunting turkeys too, it's obviously not deer season. So, you know, those deer might be in different areas, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it helps a little bit to just lay, have a baseline for sure. Yeah. Just had a little bit of, little bit of knowledge that helped like, okay, you know, they have obviously been through here because there's sheds here or there's rubs here, whatever. But we ended up hunting mostly different areas than, you know, we were turkey hunting, I would say. So going into a trip to Alabama, you guys are hunting a lot of big buck states. What I would be, what I would consider to be big buck states with higher deer densities, um, maybe some of them even having less hunter pressure. Um, did you go into it with an expectation of, I'm going to shoot the first buck that gives me the first legal deer that gives me an opportunity? Or did you go into it with, I'm, I think I'm going to try to um, maybe shoot something that's above the normal standard for the area? What was your, what was your idea going into that? Uh, I, I, I don't really ever set a real standard going in anywhere. I mean, you mentioned legal buck. A lot of times, I mean, a lot of times I personally don't shoot a spike or something, but like, that's also not limited. Like I don't really go into an expectation. It just depends <laughs> with an expectation on what I'm going to shoot because I think it's easy to get disappointed Yeah. Uh, no matter where you're at, whether you're in, I mean, Illinois or Iowa or whatever like if you go into it with too high of an expect or with an expectation at all you're like bound to be disappointed so yeah no I mean like if if something were to present a good shot and it was legal yeah it's totally totally gonna make that call in the moment and that's that's something that I that I I like to talk about because we I mean I'm the exact same way I'm I'm an opportunist guy and if a deer walks in in front of me and I um, get excited and it gives me that, you know, that feeling like that, that feeling like I'm going to be yep. happy about this if I do it, then I do it. And if it walks out in front of me and I'm like, ah, I don't know, I want the experience to be uh, everything that I that I want it to be. And I, I agree with you. I think it makes for a lot of disappointing moments when you should be out there having a good time. It makes for a lot of disappointing moments whenever you have this grand expectation of what what you're supposed to do and and I think that's why um I think that's why I like what you guys do so much is that sure you guys are killers man you 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 kill a lot of bucks you kill a lot of big bucks you hunt a lot of areas and you have limited time to do it but it still doesn't the the size of the rack does not affect the experience of what of what you're looking for and I and so I I really appreciate that and I know a lot of guys listen to this because in the south you know, we really have a hard time relating to uh, Midwestern guys. Um, even for me, I've hunted Kentucky now and um, and a couple of other states, but most of my hunting's in the South, other than that trip to Kentucky. And, and it's just a, it's a different world, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you can go in there and, you know, within a week, and you're probably going to have an encounter with a good buck, whereas, you know, I've hunted Georgia, Alabama, um, Florida, you go to Florida and you spend a week there and you'll be lucky maybe to find a deer track. You know, it's just, it's just a totally different world when you, when you start moving out there. And so, 
Um, that's one of the things I've really appreciated appreciated about what you guys do is that you know there's not just this like heavy emphasis on big bucks and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're not going to shoot a big buck and you don't like to shoot big bucks but that's not what the emphasis is, is on it's on spending time in the outdoors with your friends having a good time and enjoying that experience so um all right so moving forward learning new stuff learning new stuff too yeah absolutely not not skipping an opportunity to learn something mm-hmm. i think that's great yeah and it's something that you guys do very well, and you take time out of your – I remember specifically about uh, your Alabama trip. Um, I can't remember if it was on one of your videos or an Instagram story, and y'all, y'all could tell y'all were wiped out. You were tired. You were carrying around your bow. I think it was like the first day, and you finally found some buck sign, and it was like, ah, here it is, and you took time where a lot of people <laughs> were tired, would be tired, and like, okay, we got to – find more of this y'all took the time it seemed like and uh explained what you were finding why you thought it was here and and that was <laughs> that was awesome i thought that was great so yeah so so moving on to um kind of aaron aaron are you still with us oh yeah okay so moving on to your trip in 2000 and night uh 2020 not too terribly long ago, I'm going to ask you the same question. What were your expectations going into uh, hunting that flood swampland of Mississippi? Oh, really just to learn. Um, we knew we were only going to be there five to seven days. And uh, there was a, a small group of us down there, a bunch of us with tags. And, you know, you're going into a brand new area. You got five to seven days. It's a it's a tough state. It's a tough area. So we were just we were down there, obviously trying to uh, harvest a buck, and by the end of it, harvest any sort of a deer. But uh, yeah, more so than anything else, we just wanted to learn as much as we could about hunting in that particular situation because none of us had any experience going into it hunting that sort of flat swamp bottomland so did you terrain did you have any specific reason for choosing you know there's a lot of states that offer swamp and um you know what what was your reason for going to mississippi in january well i've always wanted to hunt the delta down there mainly because uh that particular area the deer still ruddy so that's what that's the reason we decided to go there okay now what did your what did your preparation look like getting ready obviously i've said it before but you're you guys are grinding and busting your butts all deer season long obviously um i don't know what your preparation looks like for future states when you're currently in whatever state you're hunting iowa you know it's hard for me to balance going on multiple trips like that um, what did your preparation look like going into Mississippi? Well, I called uh, some local biologists and mainly just wanted to get, you know, some general information about the habitat that, that is in the area and, you know, how deer use it and whatnot. And I also, as we got closer to the trip, I was talking to some of our buddies that are local down there. Well, they're not local to that area, but they live a few hours away. And we're trying to keep tabs on the water levels and such. 
because in that in that river bottom terrain like that, water levels can change a, a whole lot really fast. So that was something that we were keeping a close eye on. We weren't necessarily picking starting points on Onyx as much just because the, the terrain is, is just like completely different than anything else that we've hunted in the past. So, I mean, uh, short of trying to find spots that would be hard to access, we did look into some of those before we got there as kind of a starting point once we got boots on the ground. But so just keeping an eye on the water levels before okay. the trip. Yeah. So how how far in advance are were you looking at Mississippi as far as your preparation for it? Oh, a couple years. And wow. uh to be honest, we we had uh kind of settled on a different area than the one we ended up hunting, but all the flooding and stuff down in the Delta changed that a few months prior to the trip. You know they've they've had all kinds of issues down there in the last year and uh there was just so much water in the southern portions of the delta that uh I mean, i'm pretty sure it even killed a lot of deer uh, in certain areas so our plans kind of got thrown into a blender which is not uncommon <laughs> as you can imagine yeah <laughs> going state to state all the time you you've got to have backup plans nearly every day for whatever it is that you're doing but that was that was why we ended up where we did and it was it was further north in a, a completely different area than the one we originally settled on with a little bit more monotonous terrain not quite as much habitat diversity in it which i feel like made it a little bit more difficult but at the same time uh still a unique challenge i suppose now aaron kind of when you when you drive in to a new area um what what was your what was your first thought like the, from the time you got out of the car when you when you stepped foot on that piece with a bow in your hand what was your initial reaction to to the south was it like oh man we got a good shot here or was it this is going to be tough uh, uh i i guess it was kind of a little of both it was it was more so like holy crap there's water everywhere <laughs> and uh it was it was like i i have no idea how deep the water is i have no idea you know how long it's going to be there all i kept hearing was that water levels will fluctuate a lot and uh some of our our local buddies that are down there are like yeah man this is crazy down here it could the sun could be out it couldn't rain all day and the water will just start coming up in the middle of the river bottom, huh. you know, because it's, it's in the middle, it's in the middle of the Delta. So there's, if it's raining four or five hours North of you or somewhere up along the Mississippi, a bunch, you know, all that water's coming down. So it can fluctuate those canals and those swamps and stuff. And it makes it very, very difficult to predict. And those deer down there are so adaptable that, you know, they know where those little bitty high spots are way back in the middle of the woods. And, you know, they'll walk through chest deep water to get to, to and from where they're going. But that was the biggest thing when we got there is like, man, this is, I, we just, it was hard to predict deer movement because of that and the monotonous train. Yeah. 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 Zach, I want to ask you a question about a, 
um, scouting uh, low density states versus um, higher density deer states. Um, mm-hmm. From from your trip, you basically spent the first two days um, just driving around, scouting, looking for tracks. You even saw that buck cross the road there. And um, is that something that you always do, whether it's in Iowa, Illinois, you know, um, or when, whenever you come to the south where there's not as many deer? Do you find yourself doing that, whether it's a high-density state or a low-density state? Yeah, I think, I mean, I I really like to just cover a bunch of ground, like vehicle first and then uh, putting boots on the ground next. I think you can learn a lot in a car. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, for one, I mean, you get a scale of reference really quick, right? right? So, like, you're looking at something on a map for – you know, weeks, months, years before the trip. And you have this expectation in your mind. Well, every single time, even, you know, hunting a new, if I go to a new area in my home state of Ohio, every time I get there, the scale is like way different than I thought. Right. And I, I think a really easy way to get a grasp on that is to drive around because you can say, okay, you know, we're on this road block and you know, it takes however long to get to the other side of the roadblock, and then it takes however long to get to the other side of piece of public. You know, you're just getting a scale, and then you start going and, and you know, kind of putting your boots on the ground, learning what's within area that you can't see from the road. And another thing is, too, you can read a lot of sign crossing roads, especially mm-hmm. uh, gravel roads. Like, you know, if you're picking an edge on a map, uh, like for example, we were hunting a lot of this this pine uh, pine planting areas. It's like we're looking at a hard edge on a map. We can just drive right to that hard edge and say, okay, is there a trail there? Are there tracks going in and out of here? Is there rubs going in and out of here? Because you know, especially with a gravel road that people aren't driving on very much, like what we were in. Right. Yeah, you know, there was deer crossing the road like crazy, like crazy. And I mean, there's a lot. I don't know what type of other questions you're going to go for, but there's a lot that ended up going into that driving, driving around yeah. uh, specifically in Alabama. Like there's more maybe than we even like by the end, like we were realizing that there was a lot more going on on the road than we even realized when we first got there. Mm-hmm. Um, big part of that was one thing that really threw us off compared to expectation. And like, Easily the biggest difference, in my opinion, hunting the South versus the Midwest or whatever, is like deer are just so much smaller. They don't leave as much of a track. Mm-hmm. And like hunting that pine plantation stuff, they weren't indenting the ground where they were walking as much as I thought they should be. Right. So at the beginning of that trip, that was one thing that I expected was like to see a trail just, just a based off sheer weight of deer, but like they were too light to be cutting a trail. So like you had to be more specific in what you're looking at. And what ended up happening is, is we used those roads a lot to just find places where, okay, there's a high deer density here because we can see they're crossing the road a lot right here. Right. You know, we can see actual tracks going across this gravel or, or sand road. So now we know we want to backtrack in there and try to find where these deer are bedding, get a little bit closer to them. So, you know, there's a number of reasons why we're driving around is really good, but that was one yeah. specific thing, you know, that I... Yeah, that and I, I, I would elaborate on that a little bit. Everybody's always trying to find, like, some 
some good general tactics to use when they're learning new properties, Mm -hmm. especially on like a short trip where maybe, maybe a group has a week vacation or maybe you just have a weekend off and you're traveling and trying to hunt a new area. I would say that Zach, I'm sure you probably would agree. Like every time we go to a new area, we spend like the first day or at least a large percentage of time, like driving around. I mean, and that's mm-hmm. it. just driving around, like figuring out which roads are open and closed and which yeah. if there's specific areas that you can only walk into or if there's access yep. challenges that, you know, because all that's kind of difficult to figure out on a map. So, right. yeah, I mean, you just right. riding the roads I'll throw- for a long period of time when you, whenever you get to one of these areas is something that we all, I mean, almost every single time we do that. Doesn't yeah, matter I'll where throw out a, I'll throw out one more example. I know it's not south but public land nonetheless and i think these these things play a part in in any public land and any public land strategy it's like a couple of years ago or i guess same same season the 2018 season i was going to ohio to hunt with my friend ben and i wasn't going to be there the first day that he had off and i was like dude just drive around and see where people are hunting mm-hmm. you know this is a high pressure area see where people are parking and immediately like as soon as I got there, he had the areas already picked, like where we were going to focus, you know, here we've spent, you know, like I said, all this time prior trying to pick general areas of where we're going to hunt. But as soon as I get there, just based off of where he didn't see cars, now we've got these areas that we're going to focus in on. So driving around has so many benefits. I think it's, I, I think that it's necessary unless you really have a good grasp on the area but even if you do i mean we drive around in you know the states we or places that we've hunted before you know it's it things change so i think it's staying on top of it is important and, and one way to do that is real quick is driving around like yeah. aaron said too roads being closed huge so so <laughs> kind of thinking about that i know y'all talk a lot about and and you just really mentioned it zach y'all talk a lot about getting away from all of the pressure. Um, and obviously this year y'all hunted several states that are high pressure states. Um, and I'll, I'll let you a- answer this, Aaron. Um, do you, are there, are there a lot of scenarios where y'all are using the pressure of other hunters? Yeah, most of them, I would say. Okay. That's what, that that's, like i don't know if that's your number one key when hunting public land but it should it's or private land for that matter but like that's what whenever we're trying to find um areas with deer to hunt whether it's private or public it always comes down to to pressure and where people are and that can be somewhat predictable when you're looking at a map or you're driving around an area you know if you find a parking lot with a bunch of tire tracks in it and it's pretty obvious that a lot of people have been pulling in and out of there and there's an access path leading off that parking lot. You can bet that most people are parking there and they're probably walking down that access path. However, there may not be a lot of people parking there and then walking back out to the road and going down a couple hundred yards and then popping into the woods. Yeah. You know, that it, it all depends on the area that you're in, of course, but for the most part, you're going to avoid humans in human sense especially during the daylight sure. like they're they may not be bedded very far and they may they may actually live really close in mississippi we noticed that there was an access path 
that you could drive four wheelers in on. And the first night we walked out on that access pass, it was about a mile long, and there was five four wheelers parked on it. Where people were just driving those in, getting off, and then walking in. But there was one little patch of brush that was that you couldn't get a tree stand in. Like it was just too thick, and the brush and the trees were too small to get a stand in. And everybody was driving right by that. And as, as soon as me and Dylan walked in there, 100 yards off that path, we bumped a, a nice buck that was bedded there and found a bunch of buck sign just right there. And, I mean, they were just – there was hunters all around it. But the, that's how we came to that spot is because we eliminated everything else around it. We're like, nobody's going in here because they can't hang a stand in here. And sure enough, there was a, there was a buck right there. Wow. So – so Zach, going going back to Alabama, um, I, I, this is a really a really simple question, and you can say yes or no, or you can <laughs> expound on it. Was it harder? Was it harder than you thought it was going to be? Um, it was just. Uh, yeah 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 yes for yes for different reasons than i anticipated and okay i mean I, without like well i don't know it's it's tough because i think that it varies in it in state to state area you know piece of public to piece of public but you know i'm gonna be completely honest with you guys i have never hunted a piece of public now it's completely different turkey when we hunted it but i've never hunted a piece of public with less hunters on it wow like that's interesting that i've is, never seen very very interesting such a low pressured area even in iowa where there's limited tags i i for bow hunting now i think different times of the year from what i've heard there's obviously you know in that area there's high pressure but bow hunting i mean we talked to locals we would go in into the you know, into the town there and talk with locals and they'd be like, well, what are you bow hunting for? <laughs> and I, think, I, I think a lot of what we had, what had to do is it was, it was, um, like statewide, it was statewide gun, but like, I think how the law was, is like private land is different than pub, you know, certain areas on public. And I think yeah. that it was, there was so many gun hunting opportunities that, the bow hunting opportunity just got left alone. So what actually ended up happening was, is it was like, there was so little going on as far as human activity that like Aaron said, mentioned earlier, like they may not be that far from the access or whatever. And they're kind of keeping, you've probably heard us in other States, even talking about deer, like keeping tabs on the access. Mm -hmm. But we started realizing the deer aren't that far from the road and they're listening to our car tires pop gravel the whole way down the road. And as soon as we get out, you know, they got tabs on it. So what we started doing towards the tail end of the trip was like parking way down from where we'd want to hunt. And we were actually traveling more on the, like further on the road than we were in the actual, like the deep public ground. You know what I mean? Like we weren't really hunting that far from the road, but to get there, we were walking a long way, you know, trying to get, you know, parked half mile or more away from where we were hunting because we realized those deer were just listening to what, you know, we were doing on the road right right off the access. And we were finding big beds and buck sign. And at one point we found, 
know, I mentioned that we were going to, I would loop around back around to the road. Like Jake and I, the last or whatever, second to last day, we found where two big bucks fought in the road. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. there was an obvious buck fight that happened in the road. And I think right at that moment, it all really started clicking. Like these things aren't that far off the access, but they're in really thick areas that nobody wants to go to. Um, you know, where they can still hear in the parking lot or they can still hear the guy go up to the little, you know, food plot that's on public land because on this specific area, there's these little wildlife openings or plantings that, you know, are, are to attract the, the deer and turkeys. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people hunt there. There's a lot of hunter sign around those areas, but the deer sign wasn't far from them, but it was right where they could hear somebody park, walk out, get set up, whatever. So. Yeah. So, so yeah, so kind of uh, for anybody listening to this that's not from Alabama, the way our our WMA system works is is most of them are uh, they have these gun hunts. Quota hunts. Yeah, they're they're somewhat of a quota hunt. They're open to anybody. Mm-hmm. Most of them are. You can come however much you want. Yeah, I could have hunted that season. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the, the sure. what you said was is that. Uh, it was kind of a it's kind of a ghost town once the bow, once the gun the gun hunts over, kind of in between the gun hunts they'll do like four or five weekends and some of them are more of a week of gun hunting and then the rest of them like the rest of the time it's it's open to bow hunting all season long but you can't you can't gun hunt it that's kind of the way most I think every WMA that's that's so. about. As free of, I don't, I can't think of a WMA that you can just hunt whenever you want to no, with a gun. No, now the national forest is completely different. Yeah, it's, national forest stuff is is a lot different, and uh, and it's more statewide. Yeah. And and TVA land yeah. here in Alabama is going to be statewide. Most of it is, and it's very pressured too. Yeah, and and most of that stuff is going to be a little more high mm-hmm. pressure than the WMAs, and um and that's something good for people to realize. Um, you know, Alabama is a high pressure state. We have a lot of hunters, but we have a mm-hmm. lot of gun hunters. Yes. And, and, yeah. you know, when you're looking at, Hey, I want to do an out of state hunt, maybe Alabama. I talked to countless people that were like, Hey, my deer season's over. I want to come hunt Alabama. Should I do it? And I'd say, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, come on. I mean, it, you can have most of these. Mm. Most of these WMAs that are only open to bow at that time, you can pretty much have it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you can find a gun hunt. If, if you want to find a gun hunt somewhere, you can find a gun hunt open, you know, just about any time of the season if you're willing to travel. So, I mean, it really is a cool thing. And actually, Zach, I've never really thought about it that way, but it really is like you can come and hunt, quote, unquote, unpressured deer in Alabama. Um it's yeah. just you know being able to capitalize choosing the right spot. Yeah. Sure. I think I think one thing that I'll say and I'll and I'll because I will back. I don't want I don't want listeners to be like oh that's full of it. Like there's people <laughs> everywhere hunting. Like there there were hunters. Like I said, like we went into town. We bumped. We made a bunch of friends that were hunting. You know, we we met a, some guys that let us camp at their camp with them and stuff. Like it was really cool. The culture of hunting in Alabama. But everybody was gun hunting. Like everybody we saw was on p- private land, and they were. And we saw cars parked on the road. We saw guys in blinds. We heard. I mean, well, at one point we heard a guy rattling off the public on private. 
in a blind we could see, you know, it's like, we know there's guys out there hunting. Right. But they just weren't bow hunting. So I'm not saying that it's, you know, I'm not trying to say that Alabama doesn't have hunters or it's like super unpressured across the board. I think just the situation that we found ourselves in was surprising because we had an expectation that it was going to be a lot more pressured than what it ended up being. Yeah. So, so Aaron, same question to you, man. Was it, was it, um, I guess I kind of forgot the exact question because we talked about a whole lot. Harder. Was it harder (laughs) than, was it harder than what you thought it was going to be? Uh, yeah, it was, um, going into it, but at the same time, we kind of didn't really know what to expect because we'd never hunted anything like that before. Yeah. So it was, and by the end of the hunt, we were able to narrow some things down and figure some stuff out, but going into it, yeah, I would say it was a little bit harder than what we expected. Yeah. I mean, and that's... However, you know, it, it kind of comes down to just a different style of hunting in general. I mean, yeah. that there, there's a friend of ours that, that harvests big deer down there every year, and, and him and his wife kill several deer and several nice bucks off of several of the public areas down in there. But they just they were using different tactics than what we are accustomed to. Yeah. So, so you know, kind of moving into that, you know, one of the things that Southern guys say, and I, and I agree, agree to a point and I disagree to another point, um, but that the, the tactics that have to be implemented in the South are different than what Northern guys use. Um, my, my opinion, I'll share my opinion first, is I think maybe a little bit, but I also think that deer, a, a white-tailed deer is a deer, like, and it's going to have a lot of the same behaviors across the board. And I think you, you have to learn how to implement those things for your region. But if you are in a region and that's where you're from, that's the that's what you should already be learning. You shouldn't be at a disadvantage because you're not. You know, you're at an advantage because you live there. Did you find, Aaron, that in Mississippi, obviously you've, you've kind of already said this to a point, but did you find that it was extremely different to hunt these deer in the south than it is to hunt deer in other states across the north and midwest no not necessarily it it was different but i mean it wasn't wasn't anything too crazy one thing i will say is that people have a tendency to kind of paint everything with a broad brush um (laughs) and say you know it's a certain way here it's a certain way there you could go in mississippi and you could use a certain tactic on a specific spot on one public area and move across it two miles away and use a completely different tactic to have Mm -hmm. success. So being adaptable and learning multiple tactics is probably your best decision. See, a lot of people will go out and they'll set up a stand on public that's easy to get to, and they'll go out there on a Saturday afternoon and they'll see a bunch of people set up near their stand and they'll just say, well, my, my state gets a ton of pressure. You know, well, that's a that's a very very small perspective on you know one instance when you could go right back there two days later and not see a soul in the woods. So it's all relative. Um, I guess I'll just say that as kind of a disclaimer before we talk any more about you know difficulty and pressure and stuff. 
it's all relative. It, it all depends on the situation. But as far as difficulty goes, it was harder for sure. But once once we kind of uh, learned a little bit more about the area, you know, we we gained more confidence throughout the trip. You know, and eventually started seeing some nice bucks as a group, and then getting on to some deer towards the end of the trip. It was it was just the the tactic that they were using in this particular setting because the habitat was so monotonous was they were just spending an insane amount of time hunting edge transitions and stationary like hunting from a stand and they were having success i mean they were hunting edge transition with two or three rubs in it for a 500 yard span there'd be a couple sets of fresh buck tracks and that would be it like very very little fresh sign and they would just sit there sit there sit there sit there and eventually after not seeing a single deer for four or five days a really nice buck comes moving through you know just like they would anywhere else Mm mm-hmm and that that particular tactic seemed to work really well in this situation because of the monotonous terrain Mm -hmm. it was usually what we're keying in on in other other places is the terrain is more diverse and i mean it could be even more diverse in mississippi i mean you go to a to a different area an hour to the east of us and you got completely different habitat way more diversity maybe even easier to figure out yeah. I'm just saying in this instance, in that river bottom, the habitat was so monotonous and deer could be in a lot of different places at a given time. So those so, were the tactics that were working at the time that we saw. Were you, were, so when you kind of realized that, is that kind of, obviously you didn't have the time being a, a non-resident, I'm sure, you didn't have a full season license. You probably had a certain amount of days that you were going to be there. And then I know, like, for y'all specifically, y'all were uh, headed to ATA, to ATA show very soon after that. So you had a, a short amount of time to make something happen. So you, you were not able to just sit in the same spot over and over again until you found a buck walk by. But I know you did have some encounters. Um, how, did you, how did you make that work for you Um to be able to have the best odds at trying to make something happen with such a limited amount of days? Um, always comes down to pressure and hunting where it isn't. So even though the habitat was, was difficult to dissect in this particular instance, we found some spots, um, me and Dylan and Catman did, along the edge of a road where there was no parking area. And it was it was a real monotonous creek bottom. I mean, it, there was nothing out there that said deer bedding to me anywhere. And it was it would go for like a mile deep back in there. But for five days, we didn't see a single truck parked along that stretch of road. So towards the end of the hunt, we just started diving in there. Catman ended up seeing a really big buck in there cruising. And then Dylan and I finally found a, a dried up swamp about a mile and a half from the road on that off that access point right up next to the river and in that in and along that swamp there was like some privet hedge and stuff uh growing up around the edge of it which was just a you know some horsetail grass because it was an opening in the middle of that timber and uh that's what we eventually keyed in on but it it all comes down to where there's where there's people and where there isn't 
And yeah. in this case, we just we zeroed in on that, even though from a map it didn't look like there was a lot of habitat diversity in there. It was like, man, there ain't nobody in there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we started we started going in and finding deer, and the, the spots didn't exactly make sense. Um, I'm sure they would if we if we got the opportunity to hunt down there more and learn it as we go. But on those short trips, man, that's why that kind of goes back to what Zach and I were talking about earlier with driving around and understanding the pressure first. Yeah. Because if you because that's like the simplest way to put it. Do you private public doesn't matter if you understand where the people are and you go where they're not, your odds are going to go way up to finding deer. Yes. Now, do you you mentioned Catman being there with you, and Catman's from Tennessee. Yeah, he's a Southern hunter. Um, really good friends with that guy. He's a good dude. Um, and he and he and he's very knowledgeable about deer, deer and and turkeys. Do you feel like? Yeah. And this may be a simple question, um, but do you feel like him being exposed to Southern hunting kind of put him and Adrian? Adrian shot a big buck while you were there. But we, if we, if we, if you know Adrian though, you probably know it's luck. He just gets lucky. Might have hit him with a truck. Yeah, he probably hit him with a truck or something. Um, but you know, do you feel like those guys were at an advantage? Obviously, um, kind of a, a a way to to say it is you guys, um, the hunting public as a whole, and Aaron and Zach individually, um, y'all have killed a lot of deer across a lot of states um, and a lot of notable deer. You know, big big deer respectable deer for anybody um and and probably more than most people have but did you feel like they're them having lived in and being raised in tennessee in the south even though it's a different state do you feel like maybe they had a little bit of an advantage going into a a trip to mississippi well i would say that um, potentially, yeah, but the two of them are very different personalities, you know. I mean, <laughs> yep. yes, yeah, as you, it, yeah. it kind of, I'm sure that they both have like their own way they do things, just like me and Zach do, you know. I mean, and or, or me and Jake or whoever in our whole group, like everybody kind of has a certain way that they that they want to hunt or that they've learned to hunt. And uh, with that said, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, yeah. I know one thing, when we got down there, we were hunting with some local guys, and uh, they pretty much, they told us, like, you guys should try these areas, and we were too stubborn, at least I was too stubborn, I was like, yeah, I want to go in there and try it, but I also want to try to figure this out on our own, you know, right? so that we can learn as much as, as, much as possible, and I feel like if we would have done that, we would have been in a lot better position to harvest a to harvest the deer you know but yeah yeah i think the yeah re- those guys know what those guys know what they're doing for sure definitely they just, they just do it in a different way you know i think that's the reason for asking that question is is i think a lot of guys kind of get a chip on their shoulder and uh you know like i'm i'm from the south and it's it's the hardest state or the hardest area to hunt and blah 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 <laughs> blah blah and 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 i'm not I'm, I'm from the south and i've said that before um but at the same time, I think, you know, I, I remember in, in Alabama, Catman got a shot at a good buck and missed. And then in uh, in Mississippi, Catman saw a really good buck and saw that in his videos. And then Adrian shot a good buck. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think there is an advantage 
to to learning an area just like i could say from from my keyboard i could say oh iowa is is the best in the world i could easily go down there and go up there and shoot a 170 because you know i'm from the south and i but i think i think it all comes down to it's just different you know there are there are different things that work in different areas well i got something that i'll go ahead go ahead okay i'll go (laughs) you there a very patient hunter like he he pays real close attention yeah to what's going on like i've noticed that being around him uh, i mean he was able to just go into kind of the first spot that he picked and identify some stuff that i guarantee you we overlooked because it was the you know, the habitat transitions weren't as distinct, but he went right in there and he found a spot. I mean, literally saw a huge buck 75 yards off the road. <laughs> huh. Wow. And that, that's Catman that you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Catman. You, you kind of broke out when you said his name. Yeah. And I've noticed that about, about Catman. And I'm honestly, I've noticed that about a lot of southern guys who consistently get it done is they're very they're very patient and they're very uh um analytical i guess about about an area they really know how to break down a certain area and what they're looking for so so zach um what were you going to add to that well i was just going to add like in general i think uh every place you go to that's new is going to be hard. And you're going to have this moment where you're like, oh, no. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to have to learn some stuff real fast if I want to get in the game. And I think, you know, I'd, I'd like to go I'd like to go back to hunt Ohio. And I feel like I've hunted a lot of places in Ohio, but there's still a lot of places I haven't hunted. And every time I go to a new place, there's some sort of learning curve there. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's some days there where you're like, really – really thinking to yourself like, man, I don't know that we're going to figure this out, but if you just keep after it, you keep brainstorming, you keep trying new stuff or or whatever, like, or you keep just getting a feel for the area, putting yourself out there and, and trying. And I think, you know, there might be a certain situation where, um, uh, that you, you might be, I mean, you could be in Iowa and that happen. You could be in New York, you could be in Georgia you could be in Wyoming, you could be wherever. But, you know, really what it comes down to, I think, is there's a million different ways you can kill a buck or a turkey or an elk or whatever. But, like, the more situations you try, the more you learn, the more, you know, different situations you put yourself into, like, the more you're going to learn. And that that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Every place has its challenges. Even, even in a place that, you know, some of the states that I would consider the easier ones to figure out, they still have their challenges that, like, you know, they're going to make things difficult or everybody would go to certain places and kill a buck every time. And that's just not reality. Like, even right. the quote-unquote easy places, people aren't going and killing a big buck every time. They're not. And I think that, you know, the only way to improve – is to go try different as many different situations in a hunting career as you possibly can. Yeah. And that may, 
you know, being in the Northeast or the Southeast or the West or the Midwest, but you got to try them all if you want to try to get as many situations as possible to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, I want to ask you too, man, um, because at the end of the day, when whenever you came down a couple of years ago, like you had a buck in bow range in Alabama, like he was two steps from, you know, oh, yeah. getting getting shot. And um, I know that that when he bounded off, you you were you were like, oh my gosh, he was in bow range. Like I was almost crying for you because I know how hard it is to kill a buck on public <laughs> land in in Alabama. But what made you look at that spot? and say he might come through here like what was the what was the thought process of picking that spot out uh in a sped up version we were checking out a bunch of different areas we kind of found a specific age pine uh, planting that we thought that seemed like there's a lot of deer coming out of we spotted a buck on private pretty close with a bunch of does pretty close to the public, but he was on private, mm-hmm. basically across the road, you know, from the public. We knew there was a bunch of deer in that area just based off of the sign. We went in and scouted it. We saw a high density of scrapes um, in the small block that we were dealing with. I mean, it was a very small block. I could probably measure it out, but, you know, it was probably less than 200 acres, this little block that we were looking at. Mm-hmm. And... I guess we just saw a high density of scrapes. There was a lot of buck sign, and there was this transition terrain edge that just everything came together, and there was, like, a line of, like, four scrapes, a twisted-up little rub, and it just felt like, okay, if we're going to put some time into a specific spot and make a setup, this is what makes the most sense as far as, you know, the sign we've seen because – like we mentioned, like covering a lot of ground in the road, you know, in the, in the, you know, actual blocks of public, Yeah, that was the best sign we had found up to that point. And it really didn't take that long in that setup for us to get a, a chance or, you know, darn near a chance at a buck. And then actually the next morning we went in there too. I think something happened with this foot. Yeah. Something like we had like a weird card malfunction and that, lost this footage but um the next morning we actually went in there and as we were getting set up a deer came in on us on the same spot and then we had kind of the same deal where the wind got picked up and it was just swirling all over and we lost our confidence but there's just something about that one that specific spot and what we learned from that moving forward is just more of a reference right Mm -hmm. it's like when you first get to a spot you have this idea like the scale like that hill is going to be that big and then when you get there and you actually lay eyes on it a lot of times it's different than what you anticipated same thing goes for sign every piece of public you go into even if it's a state you've hunted before if it's a new area you have no reference of what type of sign is going to be laid down in that area and I think once you go in, you start covering ground and you can say, okay, this is my, you know, this isn't enough sign, but this is, and you just continue to build a reference with what you've been seeing in other spots. And at, you know, at that time in our hunting career, we did not have an expectation for how much sign we needed to see, but that spot taught us, okay, here's what we can expect if we look for something similar to this in the future. So, so kind of moving into the future, uh, Aaron, 
if you were to come back, yeah. let, let's just say for for the sake of conversation, you were to go right back to the same style, the same terrain, the same habitat type that you were in Mississippi. What would you do differently this time? Um, preferably not be flooded. Honestly. I would bring a boat. <laughs> bring a boat. Yeah. It's not always that would, like that <laughs> down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have made a that would have made a huge difference. One day, me and Dylan walked through like knee deep water for I think like a mile. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty wild. And uh, yeah, I wish we'd have brought a boat so we could get up and down those creeks, rivers, and sloughs and get across them a little bit quicker. And we did we were able to borrow some like little P rows and stuff to mm-hmm. get us across some of those canals while we were there. Honestly, just more time. I felt like that the guys, the guys that we know that are successful down there in those situations, that's the thing. Like they just, and, and to be honest, that's a, that's the case in a lot of places. Like, man, if you have, if you had a, uh, one or two hunts per week for uh, a few months, I feel like you could you could get it done. Yeah. And next time, that's the main thing, is just bring a, bring something where we can get back in there and some more harder-to-access areas. We still did, eventually, but uh, I, would, I would probably be more patient and try to sit some of those areas a little bit longer. It's just hard to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Where, sure. <laughs> I'm a... I'm pretty patient, but I don't like I don't like sitting in the same spot all day, daylight to dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't have the the attention span for it. Yeah, <laughs> and and Zach, I mean, you are you you have confessed that you are not the most patient person um, in your videos, <laughs> and so and we can also see that just in the videos. Um, what the the same question to you? What what is what is the takeaway coming back to the south or coming back to a southern hunt? Is there anything that you would do different? Well, yeah, I think about yeah, I think about it all the time. I, I think one thing I would do in that area specifically is not worry so much about getting way off the road. I think that would really like speed up the process. I think as far as finding more really solid spots to set up in. Um, and I think something else I would maybe do too, just to kind of cater to that impatience is like get right on the edge of a lot of really thick stuff where I think a lot of deer are betting and just call and kind of spend a little bit more time maybe in the middle of the day just to break up that setup monotony mm-hmm. and just do a lot more calling, a lot more just moving around. I mean, I feel like as <laughs> As time goes on, I almost get more and more impatient with sitting in one spot. So, like, any way that I can, you know, cater to that. And I think there's a – I actually think there's a huge opportunity for calling in, in that pine plant planting in the south. is like, you know, you can't see very far, so neither can they. And you can make a bunch of noise and sound like deer fighting or chasing or whatever. So – that might be something that I would experiment with a little bit more because I don't even know that I don't know that I really did any calling aside from when we were set up. You know, I think that might be something I would try a little bit more just to see if we could pop deer out of spot and then go through and scout them. Um, you know, basically 
and and really again just having that reference of sign is huge so um sticking close to the road not worrying about getting so far away also parking further away from the spot right out of the gate i think just speeds up that yeah you know yeah so you're saying so so what i'm what i'm gathering from what you just said zach is that you're you're more or less saying you would tackle it in the future a whole lot more similar to how you tackle, you know, other states that you hunt. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that like to a certain degree, there's, there's like, and, and I say this to a certain degree, I definitely think there's certain spots that it make it tough, but like, if you're willing to adapt, you can always cater to what you enjoy doing, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I like to continue to move. Like, I just get, oh, I just get bored. So, like, you know, there's a, I think an example would be like, um, calling in the south, maybe, or in that particular area, or like, in in southern Ohio, we were doing some gun hunting down there. We were doing deer drives, and at one point, I remember thinking like man, if a guy wanted to kill a big buck here, you know, he'd just have to, with a bow, he'd just have to set up and sit for forever. And I don't want to do that. But then I got to thinking more about it. It's like, well, started to figure out where exactly they bed. I bet there's a way that you could crawl in there, observe that area, you know, and then kind of adjust your setup or kind of stalk into a spot where you want to get close as possible once you know the deer are there. You know, like, it's it's there the opportunity's there in in some situations or whatever but like you can cater to yourself i think if you like to set up like obviously you can do that in a lot of places pretty yeah. much anywhere like just yeah i mean it's just each his own i think mean, you can do a lot of different tactics in a lot of different places it's just you just have to be willing to adapt that style slightly you know yeah Aaron, I have a question for you too because both of you have have mentioned being adaptable and and flexible, and um, you guys came and did a, a workshop down in Mississippi, correct? Yep. Did you find um, and th- that was on that was on private, right? That was on private. Yeah. Um, right. Um, and this is kind of more of a, a culture question than than anything, but do you? Do you find it that Southern guys kind of are more set in their ways when it comes to hunting? Like, cause I know for some of us, we, we all have, especially on private, we have the green fields and, and the blind set up and you have gone that way for a bunch of different times. But in, even in watching those videos, what was the response from those guys that were at that workshop when, when whenever you guys were talking about some of this stuff that we've covered in this podcast? Who's going to answer this? They, uh, I think I have both take both have takeaways. Okay. Different, yeah. Different they, ideas. Go ahead, Aaron. Both, I mean, they they definitely had kind of a pattern to how they hunted. And and, um, the, and ma- the majority of them. Yeah, because the reason behind this, I had I have found out that I'm very patternable. I mean, even the last two yep. years, I have found out that I grew up hunting on private, hardly any public, and so I have found out that I've hunted this way. I've I've gone I've parked in the same spot I've walked in the same way and so I'm asking that question yep. just to confirm some stuff in me too. Deer, deer will adapt to that, and I will say this: the property that we scouted for the workshop was completely different than the property that we hunted. Right. I mean, totally different habitat. It, there was way more edge, 
way more predictable thick bedding on that private ground than the the delta river bottom where we hunted but that just goes back to kind of our original point that like every single situation even inside of a state is way way different and on that particular piece of ground it that's why we like consulting on private ground is because we can take the land owner or the people that lease it or the people that hunt it right and we can get on a map and say where do you hunt and how often do you hunt there? And then we pretty much just work around that. And as soon as we started doing that in that workshop, we were finding tons of good bedding, especially along the, the edge transitions where there was like an SMZ with a four or five-year-old cut right next to it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there was lots and lots of good buck bedding in the, in those edges. And most everybody pretty much just said the same thing about those pine cuts. They're like, oh, they're so thick you can't hunt in them. And I'm like, well, that's where all the big bucks are going to be. And hey, and yeah. as soon as we started walking in there, I mean, Zach said the same thing. As soon as we started walking in and getting into those thickets and stuff, it was like, yeah, I mean, they're everywhere in here. And mm-hmm. it's because people will sit out on the edge of that in the open oak flats or whatever it is or open pine woods in a, woods. In a pretty sand and they and they won't see any mature bucks well mature bucks regardless of where they are at are going to move in some type of security you know and during the daylight like that's where they're going to bed that's where they're going to move and they're going to move during daylight but you're going to have to penetrate that security if you're going to see them yeah and once we started getting into those thickets, especially in, along those edge transitions, or even even if you looked at a pine thicket and there might have been just an, a little island of mature trees out in the middle of that thicket, you go out there and you're finding buck signs. Yeah. It was a pain in the butt to get out there through all that nasty <laughs> stuff, but that's where that's where they were at. All right, Zach. I think, uh, yeah, to add on to that, I just think that what what I think sometimes it takes is like seeing – that if you put that little extra work in, it's going to be rewarded. Like Aaron said, it, a lot of times that is uncomfortable, right? Like mm-hmm. getting to certain areas, it's like in some situations that might be walking a couple miles and another situation, it might be walking a couple hundred yards through just the thickest, nastiest, you know, thorny nonsense you could ever dream of. But when you see, the 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 guests at these workshops have that moment where it clicks where it's like oh okay if i actually just do it it will be rewarded because here's a bunch of examples of you know buck sign in these spots it's like they're more uh willing to do that i think a lot of people are way more willing to do that once they just see that reward so it's like once you say hey look you know there's a reason that there's not a lot of doing the same thing you're kind of seeing the same results but if you're to try something different mm-hmm. here's what you might see because look at this sign then i just think everybody's way more willing to do it i think i think it's it's tough to pull the trigger on going into a spot like that for the first time or whatever are gonna hey i'm about to paddle canoe you know a decent chunk of ways down this river and then i'm gonna have to hop out and walk through some thick stuff by the time i get home it's gonna be nine o'clock like ah, i'm not going to do that i'm just going to do the same thing but once you show somebody hey if you did do it like look at this sign that you might have been able to observe getting laid down then they're like all right maybe i should try okay but i just think it's like you get you kind of get like a oh 
you just get the the response is good when you can say, "Hey, here, look what's going on." Yeah, and I, you know, Zach, kind of to your point, I had a conversation with with somebody, I guess, last week or so, and the the conversation was kind of revolving around the the amount of work that you put into a hunt, like how much are you willing to put into it. I am of the opinion that the only excuse for not killing a deer anywhere is, well, I, I say that there's there's a couple of, of good ones. One of them is one that that you said, Aaron, is time. You know, you have to have you have to have time. But also the other one is you can't walk. Like if you if you if your legs are cut off or you don't have the ability of using your legs or something like that, that's a good excuse. Other than that, I think you have no excuse because if you will put in the amount of work that you're talking about, you will be successful eventually. Um, people who go off and say, yeah. you know, I've been hunting in Alabama my whole life and I I haven't ever killed, killed a big buck, it's probably because they didn't put the time and the work into it. Um, and those things could be, be one and the same time and work. But it's just it's yeah. just the truth, you know. You're not gonna go out and and find, you know. So y- you might get lucky. I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna go out and find some big buck on a regular basis, a hundred y- yards off the road. That on a regular basis, yeah. that doesn't mean it's not possible every once in a while. But you got to put in the time and you got to put in the work to to find those places. And if you're not doing that, then yeah, you're not going to kill a deer you know it there there's so many rewards in putting in the adequate amount of time of work and i and i just don't i don't buy the excuse of where i live is the reason i don't kill deer i don't buy that excuse well yeah i don't either one thing one thing that i will say too about like traveling and get you know, not even traveling state to state, but traveling in your own state and trying different stuff. Like, even if you don't have the ability to, you know, go on a seven-day out-of-state trip, like taking a weekend to try something else or go scouting somewhere else or go turkey hunting some somewhere else. is like, the more times you get, like, uh, okay, so you get to a spot and you're like, well, it's way out there. It's three miles. It's like, that's going to be a lot of work. But the more times you do something like that, even if it's just like recreational hiking, mm-hmm. you start to build confidence that like, Hey, I can do this. I can get, you know, five miles back there. Uh, I can crawl through this thicket because I did it shed hunting, you know, whatever it may be. I, I, mm-hmm. I know that I can walk this, this hiking trail in an hour because I did it in the summer and that'll get me, you know, a step back there. It's like the more experience you get doing that, just being outside, man, it's like that, that just being out there learning your own ability is really, I think really transfers over into the deer turkey hunting world really well. And the more times you can just boost your own confidence, I think, I think it's silly as it sounds, like you can really start to push yourself even more. Definitely. Yeah. And let's not forget it's bow hunting, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's luck. A lot of it. You, you can put yourself in the right situation over and over and over again and be right there in the game and still not end up bringing home a deer if you're targeting like a mature buck, for example. You know, it's 
there's so many variables that go into actually getting the shot and killing the deer after you find that are on side of your control that you have to learn to just enjoy the process more or less you know like we keep talking about going out and be and having an open mind and learning like that should be your goal your number one goal is to go out learn as much as you can so that you can just constantly improve and then the results sort of take care of themselves eventually all the stars align and you get a shot you know definitely but Definitely. As, as it goes, I mean, with any sort of hunting, but especially bow hunting and bow hunting, you know, big bucks, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of things. Yeah. Are you there? And if your goals are, it depends on what your goals are, but yeah. Man, I, yeah, I'm still here. I, I, I told you, kind of cut out for just a second, but we got you back. But um, I totally, I totally agree with, with what both of you guys said there. I got, I've got two more things. One of them is uh, a very simple question again, um, and and we'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Zach, and then Aaron. You can answer the same question, and I, I ask I'm going to ask you this question, and um, I want you to know that it's not going to be a fun question maybe to answer, uh, but. I'm going to ask it nonetheless, and if you say I refuse to answer that question, then then that'll be okay. But this was the the question that I received the most on Instagram, and uh, when when people wanted to ask you one thing, the main question, Zach, was Alabama the hardest state you've ever hunted? Um. No, they're all the hardest state I've ever hunted. Good nice. answer. Good answer. Saved. Saved. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. What's one. that? Uh, we said you you saved it right there. That was good. That, that was, was good, a good answer. Good answer. I just think that every. I really do. I really do believe that every time you go into a new area, it's equally as tough. Mm-hmm. Period. Like yeah. I, I, I really do. I, I, so I think the next time, you know, the next time that. I go back, back to that specific area. I think it'll be a lot different than even if I were to just try a different area in Alabama. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like every new area is tough, and I think I think that's all there is to it. Okay, that's a good answer. I'm I'm pleased with that answer, Drew. Yeah. All right, good. Aaron. So you you can't say what he said. <laughs> that's okay. New, rule, new rules. New rules. We're playing prison rules now. Uh, <laughs> So, is Mississippi the hardest state you've ever hunted, Aaron? Uh, no, but that depends on what your goals are, uh, because that question is relative. Yeah. I mean, are is it is it the hardest state I've ever hunted to kill a deer in? No, you know, is it the hardest state I've ever hunted to harvest a mature buck? I would also say no. But, I mean, it all depends on what your individual goals are when you go into a new area and when you go into a state. It's just hard to it's hard to quantify that one, I guess. Um, yeah. There's, there's certain areas where there's, like, for example, there's certain areas with more big bucks but a lower deer density. So it may be more difficult in that particular state for you to harvest a deer, period, than in Mississippi, 
but your odds of harvesting a bigger deer are higher there than they are in Mississippi. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. So definitely. It's, it's it's hard to quantify that. Um, yeah, I mean, it. I, I'm not. I'm going to try not to say the same thing that he just said, but hunting pressure, uh, hunting new areas is all totally relative. It it just completely depends on a whole slew of factors it's kind of hard just to lump them into a you know a bucket of this state versus that state versus that state yeah yeah Yeah. and i i kind of assumed that you guys would have a similar answer to that and and that was that's why i wanted to ask it i think again i think a lot of people see things from their own perspective um i was re i was listening to a podcast it may have been uh wired to hunt podcast it was something that they were talking about a lot of um, statistics and numbers and hunter numbers and success rates and uh, one of the things that they said was that like 15% of hunters actually kill a deer 15% of hunters actually kill a deer every season and then like an even smaller percentage of that like way smaller significantly smaller kill more than one deer a season and and that to me what that said was is you know successful hunting is kind of in the minority and if you spend a lot of time looking at and when I say successful, that's, again, that's a relative term. Successful in terms of coming home with a deer, buck or doe or whatever. Is, right. It, it's, a low, it's a low ratio of people who are actually being successful in that way. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Facebook or Instagram, but just say Facebook, we have a page here called um, Alabama Deer Hunters. And it's got tons, like thousands and tens of thousands <laughs> of people on it. And what you hear constantly is, oh, well, those deer, we just don't have any deer in Alabama. And and while we may have a, a lower deer density or, or some things may make it harder to harvest a deer, the opportunity is still there. But across the, the nation, I think every person, a lot of people in a poll would say, yeah, my state's really hard to hunt. Well, it's just because that's what they're accustomed to. <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Oh yeah, they'll say Michigan's the hardest state ever, and you go up there, and there's deer running around like ants. Hey, listen, that's yeah. if, if if nothing else comes out of this podcast, I'm going to take what you just said, and I'm going to blast it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I, I here's 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 the thing that I think is like I think people just like to make a bunch of excuses. Period. Like mm-hmm. you, that's just human nature. Is like to make a bunch of excuses about it. It's just like, it's super annoying. I think from a standpoint of hunting a lot of different states, cause everybody's like, everybody just like wants, wants their state to be the toughest where like, again, there's just so many factors and situations. I mean, one day, one day Jake and I were taking a break from editing and we had this like really long conversation about like just the straight up differences in our hunting situation. You know, we grew up in fairly similar area or you know fairly similar habitat for deer similar areas but like our situations were so different and it comes down to so many different factors like maybe you know one guy's grandpa owns a bunch of land and another guy's you know has a bunch of aunt and uncles that own a bunch of land or maybe you know somebody is a transplant and their family doesn't know anybody in the area it's like there's so many factors that you can factor into it it's like just go hunting Go have a goal of learning and and have fun, and you're never gonna lose. Yeah, yeah, I I totally am 100 percent on board with that. I appreciate both of those answers, man. I I think 
uh, you know, I I completely agree. I think, uh, you know, if you go out with the with the expectation of I'm going to kill a big buck every single time I step in the woods. Now, I'm not talking about confidence. You know, my confidence tells me that's why I'm hunting today is to go and kill a big buck, and I need to believe that I'm going to go and do that. But if that's your realistic expectations, then it's not going to be very realistic, and you just need to go out and enjoy it. And so I definitely I do appreciate that, guys. Um, the last question I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let uh, let's see any mini money mo uh, Aaron before you ask that. Okay, Drew I have has one more. Drew's got one, one more, more, and then we'll uh, we'll close out. Aaron, I got a question for you. When on your Mississippi hunt, you looked as jacked up to kill a hog as you were a deer. Is that true or false? Oh, true. I want to kill a pig so bad. I've killed deer all my life. I never shot a pig. Like, and those things, are, those things are freaking sweet looking, man. I mean, we were trying to kill one of those. I, like that was. You asked me a while ago what I would do differently if I went back. If I went back, I'd probably just try to kill pigs. <laughs> like, I love it. I get it, man. That's awesome. I uh, while y'all were or pretty close to the time y'all were on that, I was. Uh, um, coming down from a high, I went up to Texas where uh, my family's at and killed a couple of them while I was there. It's just, it's so much fun, man. Cause they're, they're like, they're a different animal. It's like they're noisy and they're, they, they just do different things. And they like, when they start getting aggressive at each other, they make, they can cra- charge you crazy I mean, sounds. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool thing. We, that's. That's one thing about the South that I really do like. I, I know that they're invasive, and I know that they're not good, but I like the opportunity that we get to, to be able to hunt hogs. And plus, man, honestly, if I had to choose between – this, is, people are going to crucify me over this. If I had to choose between deer meat or wild pork, I'm choosing pork every day. I love that crap. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that. Dude, there ain't, there ain't a whole lot of things better than smoking a full – pig it's so much yeah there is smoking a full deer (laughs) honestly we probably would have learned more in mississippi about hunting deer down there if we wouldn't have spent so much time trying to shoot pigs (laughs) jake took jake took two or three of the days of the of the six day hunt and just hunted pigs (laughs) it's fun man (laughs) yeah that that whole hunt was interesting man you had demon coyotes walking up on you pigs yeah deer it was awesome water rising it's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool, man. Well, I'm glad you guys. I'm glad the South treated y'all well. Yes. I'm glad. Uh, I, I hope. I hope to see you guys come back. Um, so, kind of to end the podcast, uh, Zach, what are your turkey tour plans as it pertains to the South? Oh uh, well, <laughs> you don't have to just hunt. Uh, just like oh. I guess more specifically, what do you mean? Like where? If you know where and you feel like telling us, that's fine. But do you guys plan on coming to the South? Oh, come on, man. You know what the answer to that is. Heck yeah. <laughs> that's all I want to know, man. Sounded good in Southern right there, too. Heck yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Roll tide. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I cannot wait to get out of snow and get to the spring. Man, it's going to be I feel fun. like I'm cheating feel like I'm cheating at life because I could just get to skip a good chunk of what other people would consider winter. Yep. <laughs> hey, man, it's been like 65 degrees and raining today. Um, if it wasn't raining, we would 
I think we would probably have had a 75 degree day. Mm-hmm. Sure would have. It's been uh, it's been getting warm. It's feeling like turkey season. It's getting right. It's getting just right. Hey, I don't I don't know where y'all got where y'all are planning on going, but last week I was uh, driving by a private cornfield and I saw two toms in full strut. So get fired up because it's gonna be good. <laughs> oh, we're fired up. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. Maybe maybe that might be Texas, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Well guys, thank you again so much. Yeah, guys, thanks so much, man. For coming on the show. If you're listening to this and you don't know who the hunting public is, get out from underneath that rock. Look them up on YouTube. They are You probably don't even have internet. If yeah, you if don't you don't know, know who they are, you probably Yeah. You probably don't have internet. So um, but if you do have internet and you just so happen not to know who these guys are, check them out on YouTube, The Hunting Public, probably uh, some of the best content cre- content creators around right now. Guys, have a great day, and we will talk to you. Uh, man, hopefully hopefully our paths cross when you're down here uh, during the spring. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, uh, and if y'all are listening and you don't have internet, get yourself some internet, fools. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> internet fools. If you're listening to this and you don't have internet, Aaron is embracing his southernness. Yeah. Yeehaw! Yeah, I mean, love it. Yeah, from what I from what I remember, state lines really do affect your accent, Aaron. So, <laughs> well, you guys, y'all have a good day. Yeah, yeah thank you. All right, guys, I don't know about you, but I, I really appreciated the conversation with these guys, with Aaron and Zach. It, 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 it felt good to hear, um, hear about some guys who are used to hunting states in the Midwest and in the North, and, and really, honestly, these guys really get it done almost everywhere they, they go, and I really appreciate their um, realism when it comes to what they expected out of the South, and a lot of people aren't going to come from the Midwest and the North and hunt the South, uh, but these guys are doing it because they want to relate to guys like you and me, and I appreciate that. So thank you so much, guys, um, for coming on the show, and thank you, the listener, for listening and supporting Southern Ground Hunting in uh, in every aspect, whether it's the podcast, YouTube channel, or social media. Just really appreciate that. We've got some good episodes coming up in the near future. We're about to start getting into turkey season, and I am jacked up, man. I'm I'm fired up about chasing some turkeys around, fired up about talking to some people who consistently kill turkeys every single year, and uh, I think we've got, we've got a lot of uh, good stuff on the lineup for you guys in the future. Um, again, check us out on Instagram at Southern Ground Hunting. And Facebook, search Southern Ground Hunting. You're going to find us there. Uh, And YouTube on uh, the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Lots of good content coming there as well. So, um, yep, that's all I got for you guys today. Hope you have a great week. Get outside. Do something outside. I know it's not deer season yet, or it's not deer season anymore, and it's not turkey season yet. Uh, but you can go shoot some squirrels. Just do something outside, man, and uh, and enjoy the outdoors. And if you do that, remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.